Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to it. Time for another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here, as always. We've got some Bears draft preview to discuss for the second round tonight. We've got a Cubbies matchup against the Brewers in Milwaukee and the White Sox. Oh, my goodness, they are in quite some trouble. And they get a tough matchup for the whole series, really, as the Angels, the Red Hot Angels at that, are coming to town. We'll see if the White Sox bats can finally come alive. And it's the final game of the regular season for the Blackhawks, finally. And hopefully we can put that season behind them and we can look forward to what the organization is going to do in the upcoming years. So again, I'm Danny Burke at Danny Burke 5, or you can follow along on Twitter. Let's begin with the NFL draft. I've talked about this really ad nauseum at this point for what I'm betting for the Bears and which type of player I think they're going to select. And now we've actually seen some change, okay? So again, we talked about this like two weeks ago, made it an official play earlier this week when the lines were still the same, but let me tell you where it shifted as of this point. First things first, the way I'm looking at it is what position the Bears are going to draft, right? And... If I'm thinking offense, which I do believe is going to be the direction they go, based on Poll's comments, based on what they should instill, based on their investment in Justin Fields, we can narrow it down to being either a wide receiver or an offensive lineman. So basically what I did is I bet both receiver and offensive lineman because you were getting some value. And plus 225 was the number up until right now at Bet Rivers for the Bears to get a receiver. And now it's at, what are we seeing? We are seeing plus 150. 
So big movement toward the wide receiver. And I also bet offensive linemen. Now that one's actually fallen back. It's three to one at Bet Rivers. But if you did some searching, there was a plus 430 out there. So I bet plus 430 for offensive linemen along with wide receiver at plus 225. Okay. Now, if you look again, offensive lineman has kind of come down in some spots and receiver really has in most places, but I do think it's going to be offense. The offense at Bat Rivers, minus 125. So my thought process again was, why would I lay 125 to win 100 when I could bet 100 to win 225 on receiver and 100 to win 430 on offensive lineman? Because again, if you're betting offense as a whole and you're being general about it, That would mean it could be a running back, a tight end, a quarterback, an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, et cetera, right? I mean, you could have all those different pieces on the offense, not really et cetera, but you get what I'm saying. But again, if they're going offense, we know that it's going to be a receiver or an offensive lineman. So it's better to just take the plus money at that point, okay? And even though you're going to lose one, being if it's a receiver, you'd lose the offensive line bet and vice versa because of the value that was presented up until today, really, you would still make more money than just doing the singular bet on offense. Now you would stand to lose more if they did go defensive, but I'm hoping and I'm just thinking that they won't do that early on, especially if there's still a guy like Pickens or anybody else in the receiving class available. Ryan Poles talked about the depth and who is important to snag for Justin Fields being both the protection and the weapons. Now I get it. Your head coach is defensive oriented, but what I'm envisioning is a sense that You know this league is moving in or is already in the direction of investing in your offense. And if you have a head coach who's defensive oriented, he can do more with other like. So I'm saying I guess like you would expect your off or excuse me, you would expect your defensive head coach to be able to produce more with less in a sense. And I'm not saying they're getting less, but it's not as dire to get those defensive guys immediately because you're trusting your defensive specialist head coach to still make the most with what they have. And they will draft defensive players. They'll get some secondary guys. They'll get some interior guys to replace Khalil Mack, maybe Robert Quinn and just the holes they have in their secondary But I think what's important is getting an offense to develop for that big investment you made in Justin Fields and to hopefully get a solid offense for which you've never had really in your whole franchise's history. Ryan Poles is offensive oriented, helped reconstruct the offensive line at Kansas City, helped bring over those speedy receivers with KC. He knows the importance of that. And we know the depth of the receiving class. More than likely, I think they get a receiver. If not, I'm hoping it's an offensive lineman for the value. Either way, the Bears should invest in both of those positions. And we're hoping that it's going to be one of the two with the first pick. So we're still riding out the Bears to select a receiver at plus 225 and or an offensive lineman at plus 430. So that's what I got for the draft tonight. They go defense. They're dead to me. No, not actually. But uh, how about speaking of defense, the Packers still going with a defensive guy, not once, but twice in the first round, even more so when they need a damn wide receiver. They still do Packers things and do not help out their guy, Aaron Rodgers. It is unbelievable. I thought like two years ago they were going to go offense or receiver or whatever the hell it was, and that's when they got Jordan Love or some other BS that they pulled. Not that we care, but it's just comical at this point. But oh my goodness, Packers doing Packers things. 
Furthermore, with the draft, how about only one quarterback selected? We talked about this prop. We bet it under three and a half at minus 250. Came through with ease. Now, I was even saying, hey, you could do under two and a half for like plus 205 at Bet Rivers. Again, came through. Thought maybe Malik Willis would go, but that wasn't the case. Only Kenny Pickett. You saw some big transactions. A.J. Brown now going to the Eagles. Hollywood Brown leaving his buddy Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Now he will be headed to the Cardinals like that acquisition for Arizona. We took a flyer 28-1 to for them to win the Super Bowl for the upcoming season. But yeah, some big movements. We'll see what happens tonight. Let's go Bears. Get a receiver. Invest in your offense. And get this team in the right direction, Mr. Poles. But that's what we got to look forward to in the NFL tonight. What do we have to look forward to in baseball this evening? Well, we got the Cubs going on the road in Milwaukee against the Brewers. And eh, do you really call it on the road? Because the Cubs fans still pretty much take over Miller Park at that point. You can't say that, though. They'll get salty. Eh, but it is what it is. Cubs won the series, the opening series against Milwaukee. Do you think they can do the same this weekend? Well, Milwaukee's not as bad offensively as they were then but they really haven't improved that much they do have some momentum they're coming off a three-game sweep at pittsburgh with you know the a team that the cubs somehow struggled with uh the cubs lost, lost a rubber match five to one at atlanta we did hit our first five under a four and a half from last night on rush hour again make sure you're checking out rush hour monday through friday five to six p.m central time and this game opened up with Milwaukee as a minus 143 favorite. The Cubbies catching plus 123. Total opened at 8. Currently at Bet Rivers. The Brewers now up to minus 148. The Cubs up to plus 125. The total down to 7.5. A little bit of juice on the over, minus 112. The unders about minus 107. If you want to take the run in the hook with the Cubs, you are paying a price of minus 190. If you want to lay the run in the hook with the Brewers, plus 150 is what you are getting in return. Who do we got taking the bumps for each respective team? Well, you got the veteran Kyle Hendricks, who this season is 1-1 with an ERA of 3.98, an XFIP of 3.85, which is definitely a little reassuring, and a whip that's eh, it's below average, which you don't really want, but 1.38 isn't detrimental. You want it below 1.30, but it is what it is as of this point. Now, all three wins for Kyle Hendricks has been at home. He just started most recently that 21 to nothing routing over Pittsburgh. Got a dub against Tampa Bay at home 4-2. And then the opening day game versus Milwaukee 5-4. The lone loss he did have was at Pittsburgh where he gave up six earned runs and 3.2 innings pitched. I talked about the volatility of Kyle Hendricks. He'll give you a good outing and then he'll kill you the next time. Could this be it? Well, he started one game at Miller Park last season, went six innings, seven hits he allowed along with four earned runs. The Brewers had a batting average of 280. I do think there's some value with the Cubs, but again, it's not like their offense has been lighting it up lately. Their numbers still aren't atrocious, but like they couldn't hit for squat really against Atlanta. And Milwaukee's got a solid bullpen, we know this. Starting pitching-wise, they're thrown out Adrian Hauser. The righty is 1-2 with an ERA of 3.52, a whip of 1.30, but a concerning XFIP at 4.45. Now, he was a better pitcher at home last season as opposed to the road. Last year at home, he had an ERA of 2.81, a weighted on base average 2.89 or 2.89, excuse me, 
Uh, in XFIP of 4.22, again, kind of concerning, but not terrible. This year, he's gone at Baltimore, gave up two earned runs. First, St. Louis gave up one earned run, and most recently, at Philly, gave up three earned runs. So, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been incredibly great. Versus Chicago last year, one game, four innings pitched, allowed seven hits, four earned runs. Cubbies had a 368 batting average against him. So, uh, Cubbies did pretty well against Adrian Hauser. Can they keep it up tonight? Well, OPS-wise, looking at their batting splits, on the road, they're hitting better than at home. 765 OPS were at Wrigley Field. They have an OPS of 728. Against righties, they are hitting better than southpaws. 762 OPS versus righties, 715 against southpaws. So could be a favorable matchup based on those numbers for the Cubs, you would think, and they have their supposed ace on the mound. The Brewers, also, they're struggling immensely offensively. 626 OPS versus righties, but it's even worse against lefties, 585. At home, they have an OPS of 612. On the road, 616. This Brewers team, my concerns with them last season, when everyone was loving them for their starting pitching, I'm like, I still don't have enough faith in their offense. And their offense wasn't great, but it's nowhere near as bad as it has been this season. So that's why the Cubs could absolutely be a live dog in any of these games, despite the pitching Milwaukee has because of the ineptability for this Brewers team to find consistent offense. Now, of course, it wouldn't surprise me if they did so against the Cubs. So you got to ask yourself, though, even though Milwaukee is a better team, because let's be honest, they are or they should be rather. Are you willing to lay almost minus 150 on them? Probably not. So you could go with the run line, plus 150. I really don't hate that approach. I don't. But it's a short total. So it's telling you that there's not going to be that many runs. And if you need them to win by two or more, it's a little bit of a taller order. But, of course, it could absolutely happen. Let's look into their bullpens. Milwaukee always having a good bullpen. Eh, not so much this year. Their bullpen ERA is 3.36 and a 1.31 whip. Probably thinking those aren't bad numbers, but, well, look at the Cubbies, 2.79 ERA and a whip of 1.14. I honestly, if you told me you were betting either way, if you're like, nah, man, the Cubs, yeah, they had their favors against the Brewers in the opening series, but, you know, I think Milwaukee bounces back here. The Cubs have been struggling to hit. Milwaukee's got momentum. I like them here. I'm going to go with the money line or run line. It'd be like, all right, I get it. And if you also gave me a different argument, like, man, the Brewers haven't been hitting for squat. The Cubs are going to have their number this year. Hendricks is going to have a good outing. Plus 125 against a Brewers team that can hit. I'll take that all day and twice on Sunday. I'd go, well, you got a lot more conviction than I do, but I don't necessarily disagree with you. So for all of those reasons that I almost see this as a coin flip in a sense, I'm going to stay away from it because, again, I don't fully trust Hendricks. I don't trust the Brewers hitting. Heck, I don't trust the Cubs hitting. But anything could go crazy in this series against a rival in Milwaukee. So count me out for this one. Let me know what you're betting at Danny Burke 5. And hopefully the Cubs do come through with a nice dub, though. All right, I do have some interest in this next game, though. The White Sox, desperate to get some momentum in the W column. Get a tough series against the Angels. And in this game, 
The White Sox did open up as the favorite, minus 122. The Angels were plus 104. Currently at Bet Rivers, the White Sox getting a little bit of love. They're up to minus 127, and the Angels now a plus 110 underdog. Total open seven, it remains at seven, and there is still juice on the under, minus 113. Why is it so low? Well, you got to look at the pitching matchup. You're getting Noah Syndergaard for the Angels. The righty this season is 2-0 with an ERA of 2.12, a whip of 0.82. Concerning XFIP, the splits are kind of sizable here, 4.09, so he could be due for some slight regression. But what may reassure you a little bit is that he's got a ground ball percentage of 58%, meaning the balls that are hit, 58% of them are grounders, which is really solid. And a BABIP, batting average of balls in play, of 200. So that means even when the hits are, or people are making contact, you know, only, you know, two out of 10 are ending up as hits, really. So, yeah, good BABIP, good defense, good pitching from Thor. A little surprise that. Again, it's a higher XFIP, but I don't crunch these numbers. I just report them. But against the Sox and their struggling offense, hell, wouldn't be surprised if he tosses a no-no tonight. Uh, Giolito, the righty. Two games started, 0-0, 1.13 ERA, 2.30 XFIP. Very, very good. Ground ball percentage that is concerning of just 21.4%. Yikes. And his BABIP also concerning 357. Now that could be bad luck from the defense, but also probably just that when hitters are making contact, they're making quality contact and the most of it. He's got a whip of 1.25. What's also a little concerning is the hard hit percentage. When batters are making contact, what percentage of it is classified as hard hit? 36% of them. You don't want it that high, folks. But again, it's not egregious. Now, both of his starts have ended in a Sox loss and have been on the road. However, last year he was actually slightly worse at home as opposed to the road. Now, he should be able to go a decent amount of length in this game. He was limited originally due to an abdominal strain. Had to leave his opening day start, remember, at Detroit after four innings because of the injury. And then he missed two turns in the rotation. But he had a nice bounce back performance the last game. Let's look into the batting splits here. We told you the White Sox have been struggling, and boy, have they ever. 579 OPS is what they're hitting at home. 569 OPS versus righties. 765 versus lefties, just for a frame of reference. But yikes, this lineup has been terrible. The Angels, quite the opposite, folks. They're hitting 830 OPS-wise on the road. That is tremendous and really good against righties. 770 OPS. So why the hell aren't we trusting the Angels here? Well, for some reason, the market is actually favoring the White Sox. So that's what's scaring me a tad bit. So I don't really want to bet them for the full game. Also, because Los Angeles and their bullpen, they got a 4.11 ERA, and we know how the hell Joe Madden operates his bullpen. Never want to be on the wrong end of that. They do have a solid whip in their bullpen of 1.14. White Sox, bullpen ERA, 3.81. High whip of 1.37. So I don't want to trust Joe Madden in his bullpen. There's no chance in hell I'm trusting the White Sox and they're hitting. So what do you do? Well, you look for the Angels in the first five. You could take a half on the run line with the Angels, meaning if they tie or win, you would win your bet. And minus 140 is the best number I saw, about minus 145 or so. Or you could just do money line for the first five with the Angels at plus 108. Or even money is where the prices have been seen. 
But Syndergaard has won or tied each of his first five starts this season, really meaning the first five innings. What has been the result at the end of it? He's either won or tied in the span of three starts. Giolito has actually won each of his two first starts in the first five, but the Sox ended up blowing the game afterward. Uh, what also could be more beneficial to betting the Angels, folks, they're averaging the fourth most runs per first five innings at 3.2. On the road, it's even better, 4.43 compared to at home, 2.4. Now the Sox are averaging the 24th most. 1.72. No bueno, ladies and gentlemen. So count me in for the Angels on the first five money line plus 108. I don't hate the idea of laying a little bit to take the half run. But at that point, you know, I'm just going to take the plus money if it does lose. So you're not losing as much. So give me plus 108 on the Angels in the first five. Trusting Cindergard, Giolito maybe, even though he's looked okay. The injury could bother him. The lack of dominance in this lineup for the Sox is concerning. The Angels have been hot. They've been really good as of late. They what? They've won. They're on a five-game winning streak here. And the Sox, we know, have lost the last nine out of ten games against the Guardians, Twins, and the Royals. Now I get it could be a wake-up call for the Sox, so that's why I'm not playing the whole thing. I'm just going to go with the first five. Like I said, give me the Angels on the first five plus 108. So that's the official play I got in baseball for Chicago sports this evening. Let me tell you an angle I'm looking at for the Blackhawks' final game of the regular season after we take a quick break right here. It is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every single Saturday throughout the entire season. Place a three-leg, same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to help you make your perfect combination. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. It's 1-800-426-2537. All right, it is the final time talking Blackhawks hockey, not hockey in general, but specifically for the Blackhawks here on the Chicago City Cast, their final game on the road against the Buffalo Sabres. Currently, the Blackhawks 28 42 and 11, 14 21 and 5 on the road. As for Buffalo, they're 31 39 and 11 at home, 16 18 and 6. Projected goalies as of this moment doesn't mean it's going to stand right now. But Kevin Lankinen should be 10 in the pipes. And Kevin Lankinen this season is 8-15-6. 3.50 goals against average. A save percentage of 89%. On the road, wow, he has been bad. 2-10-4. 3.80 goals against average and a save percentage of 88%. He went up against the Sabres once and he gave up six goals. 31 shots saved on 37 attempts. 84% save. Not great. Uh, as for the Sabres, now the guy that they had is a projected starting goalie. I didn't even see him in the roster for goalies 
on ESPN. But let me double check to see if they didn't switch. Okay, well, now I just realized they switched for the Blackhawks. Colin D'Elia, he's going to be starting for the Hawks, which I honestly, you know, is, guess is better because he's really just bad. I mean, he's really bad. He's 1-4-0, 4.06 goals against average, save percentage of 89.6%. On the road, he is 1-3-0. All right, so dismiss about Lankinen, but Lee is in the net. I know it's bad to bet against bad teams or trust bad teams, but how do you not trust the Sabres here? So Michael Hauser, he's 2-0. He's who's projected uh, 2.00 goals against average, 95% with his saves, and just two starts, remember? So I don't know. Uh, the Sabres actually have a little bit of momentum, though. They've won their last four out of five games. They are coming off a 5-0 loss at Boston. Blackhawks have won their past two games, 3-1 versus Philly. 4-3 versus the Golden Knights. They played spoilers in a shootout against the Golden Knights. Hey, we said consider to take the puck and the hook with Chicago. And the total did go over 6.5. So we were on that one a little bit. But um, not as an official play, but we were just leaning it because I don't want to trust the Blackhawks here. Or any of these bad teams. Or hockey in general at the end of the season. But folks, I am very tempted to go with the Sabres. Alright? Like I said, they've won their last four out of five. Sabres also won the previous meeting on March 28th at the UC. Six to five. Also, this game is special for Buffalo fans. It'll be the last one for their broadcaster, Rick Janaret. He's a member of both the Sabres Hall of Fame as well as the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's helped broadcast Buffalo games for 51 years, dating back to October 10th, 1971. They have commemorative RJ's Last Call t-shirts. Going to be handed out to the first 10,000 fans at KeyBank Center. Apparently, it's going to be damn near a sellout. So it's going to be a great atmosphere. And they're hopefully going to send him off with a W for him and the fans. I... Don't like betting these situations, folks. End of the year, two teams where it doesn't matter. But because of that, we saw what happened with Pat Foley, right? You saw that game. The Blackhawks won in a shootout. It's just one of those things. You know, they like to send off. Like, if you have kind of a narrative for a game, you know, that really doesn't have too much incentive, that's going to be the added, the added incentive, excuse me, for Buffalo here. So they actually opened up, though, about minus a buck 30. For the most part, that's where we're seeing it. Let me double check to see where we can get some of the better odds. Um, the market, I guess, is kind of moving towards Chicago in some spots. But looking throughout this, I was looking at Vegas here, but in the state of Illinois, best number on the Sabres, minus 130. Bet Rivers for this game. Has the Sabres at about, let's see, minus 132. If you want to lay the puck in the hook with Buffalo, it's plus 170. If you want to take the puck in the hook with the Blackhawks, it's minus 210. And the money line for the Blackhawks, plus 112. Totals at 6.5. I might have to bet Buffalo here. I don't like it. It's ugly. <laughs> but, I mean, they've got that little incentive here. They just this is, These are the type of games where the teams win for their guy. 51 years, folks. Man. Give me the Sabres. I'll take the Sabres. Sorry, Blackhawks. Been a crap season. You're going to end on a loss. Sabres sending out their guy, their broadcaster, over 51 years. Half a century. More than half a century. Sheesh. He's got to go out on a dub. So give me the Sabres. Locked in money line. Minus 130. Best price. Still a minus 132 at Bet Rivers. That's how I'm handicapping the Blackhawks final game of the year. 
All right, that's going to wrap it up, folks, for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you for tuning in. Best of luck with all your plays, whether it's baseball, whether it's the draft. Let's hope that we get the Bears to select an offensive player. Hey, if it's Pickens, I guess there's some questioning with his character. But come on, the ceiling's incredibly high for his talent. Justin Fields needs some weapons. He needs some protection. And us Bears fans need some excitement. Let's hope we get it from Ryan Poles. Thank you, folks. Remember to follow along on Twitter at DannyBurke5. Let me know what you're betting. Let me know what you're sweating out this weekend. And be sure to catch Rush Hour on Visa Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. I went in extensively how I'm betting that Bucks and Celtics series. Remember to go back and listen wherever you get your podcasts or at VSIN.com if you want to hear it. But I did over five and a half games, minus 167. And I don't agree with the disrespect toward Milwaukee. Took him to win in five. Sorry, not in five. I took him to win in six at plus 550. And then I took the Bucks to win in seven at seven to one. And the total games in that series over five and a half. Also, I know I'm sweating out the Sixers Eastern Conference Finals ticket at eight to one or so. But tempting to look toward Miami at Bet Rivers are like minus 186. I think I might have to pull the trigger on that. All right, but again, I'll talk more about that on Rush Hour. Be sure to check it out. But again, thank you. Enjoy your weekend, folks. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, take care and best of luck.